Leslie, okay. how much longer for, with the banging? Two minutes. Just hold on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it sounds like old times. <laughs> I know. It's literally my whole entire childhood. All right. So this is 100. This is our 100th episode. We um, have lost money <laughs> doing this show. I don't I don't even want to do the books on this, uh, how much money we have. No, forget it. <laughs> We're money. in the hole. Yeah. We're in the hole. Sorry. This is just like our new bar tab. Yeah. We're not even like thinking, talking about like just man hours here. We're just talking about, you know. No, no, no. That, forget it. Then we're really, we're just talking about hard costs. We're completely in the hole. Uh, (laughs) But we see, we keep doing it for our, for our few fans out there. That's right. That's right. Listen, we we do have some hardcores, you know, we've got some hardcore fans out there. We do. We do. I mean. do it for you. 100 episodes. We took a three year gap. So we did. Um, we probably would have a lot more, but um, but we would have just been talking about Trump for four years and like yeah. we just didn't want to do it. It was not everyone else was doing. There wasn't much. There wasn't it, much to talk about. And also, it just would not been like mentally sustainable for me. Yeah, uh, we couldn't do it. No. But anyway, I'm excited that we've done a hundred. Uh, yeah. And yeah, we're gonna like, I, I you know I went back and listened to like bits of very old ones. Yeah. And it's, it just, it sounds similar, but it also sounds like a different show sometimes. It's yeah, because I was drunk in half of those. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we were eating, we were were eating and kind of drinking heavily the whole time. Yeah. I mean, there were times where we would just be like, oof, I sound drunk. Well, at least me. I mean, there was one episode where we literally were like, we're having a liquid dinner tonight. And yeah, launched it. I think probably like a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't ever walk away from these with regret the next day of things I may have said. So. Right, right, right. That, it's actually the, more fun to do not drunk. I have to say. I mean, it was fun to hang out in person, but you know, I mean, that was the fun part, which is like <laughs> eating dinner and having some drinks. Yeah, and then, you know, having the guests come over and, and do that yeah. too. That was cool. That was definitely that was cool. Um, but in lieu of that, this is this is uh, this is better, I think. Definitely, yeah. Although, man, those were fun. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> you would just get like a text from Nicole. It's like, come home. Literally, it's just like, just, just like, like midnight. We did stop, the podcast stop, five hours ago. Stop talking. Just stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a great. Um, we've got a great next year next year is going to be fantastic we're going to be back way more regularly next year i mean that's an election year next year yeah and man who we i think trump's gonna run of course he is yeah and we're gonna have a blast on here all (laughs) all the uh the trump adjacent people which seems to be in every week increasingly more of the republican party you know the house and all that so we're 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 gonna be regular and in it um next can't wait yeah, we're gonna have a lot to talk about. But this is retrospective, you know. Especially because so. like that's never happened, right? Where it's a rematch. It's a presidential rematch. <laughs> it's this, two. It's Biden is, Trump two. That's this nuts. Is, this is yeah. like a Rocky. This is crazy. WWF. And like it's literally like good versus evil. It's, yeah. It is it is all of the things. Yeah. It is wrestling. <clears throat> it is. Yeah. It's wrestling. Because it's like, you know. The people we want are still on the sidelines, but we're we're clearly rallying behind one 
guy. And it's weird because a piece of me thinks the only way Biden wins is if Trump runs again. You know, I think it's the only thing to get the yeah. moderates or the 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 what they call radical left and even some of the independents. Like, I don't think people that didn't vote for Trump again are going to go back to him. I just think it's too hard. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll see. You know, it's like to 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 follow the WWF analogy. Well, I called it right here. It's like, you know, I think if anyone else runs, Biden's in big trouble. I think Trump's the only person that can rally everybody out again. Wait, so you're saying that if Trump runs, Biden's in trouble? No. I think it's the only way he wins. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see. You know, I mean, it might, it might be uh, President Tom Cotton. Um, but um, He'll win. Yeah. That's my, that's my point. Yeah. yeah. He might win. But the thing is, like like, that, I'm rooting for people who aren't even in the running. You know, like that's yeah. that's the problem. It's like, yeah. if if this is like WrestleMania part two, I'm rooting for like the British Bulldogs and they're not even in there. You know, it's, it's like, it's, yes. it's like they're not even contenders. So the people that I would want, who I think might have a chance, might actually not have a chance, it's the same sort of probability as the people who are going to be running. So that's, that's, that's where I'm coming from, which is like, whether it's who, who, if you could have your way, who, who would run? I mean, Bernie's going to be too old. Bernie will be too old, but, um, who could be two people. If you could have your way, you would put up against the Republican party. I would put up Sherrod Brown. I do like him. Yeah, I do like him. Put up Sherrod Brown. Um, Yeah. I don't think he wants it though. He doesn't want it, but you never know. Um, he's also like a big union guy, and there's a sort of a drift towards pro unionism again. Uh, yes, and and again, he comes from the swing state of Ohio, so like those are all like good things, indeed. Um, and then I don't know, like uh, Stacey Abrams. You know, I mean you know, that 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 would be somebody I'd put up. Yeah, because that would be um, it would effectively be a radical choice, not because she's so radical in her politics, but just because of who she is, you know, um, yeah, as a black woman at the top of the ticket, um, which is actually the, the, the first woman ever to run was a black woman at the top of the ticket. Um, right. But but um, but now there's a chance, right? There's like a real chance of winning. Yeah. So those are two. Just throwing okay. that. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Like anyway, it. let's we're gonna we're looking back this 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 episode. We're, Although, we're what the back. hell did they do with Stacey? Where the hell is Stacey Abrams? <laughs> they bring her out for elections. Where the hell is she? Um. Anyway, yeah, she's. This is a whole, we can go on. We can go on this yeah. and get out yeah. angry. Let's let's not yeah. do it. Um. Let's have one special day for us. Yes, exactly. So this is our hundredth episode. We're gonna. Mm-hmm. We're going to regale you with a bunch of clips. As a reminder, we started this podcast in January 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so the beginning of the sort of full throttle election year where when we started, everybody um, was kind of, you know, laughing at Trump. And he was a sort of laughing stock and a sort of joke candidate. Um, and, you know, of course, we know what. And we weren't. We weren't. We weren't. I, I, I more so we than were not. Tony was calling that much earlier than any what I actually listened to. 
Thank, uh, you, for, thank you for admitting that. But, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I like the rest of us was going with um, received knowledge here. Um, but then, you know, we took a break and now we've been back. But now we're going to look back and um, we hope you enjoy these highlights. Hey there. Troy. I'm here. What's happening, man? Oh, you know, saving the world. (laughs) (laughs) This is No Politics at the Dinner Table. I'm Tony Biancasino. And I'm Amit Prakash. And today we have a special guest calling from the heart of the universe, Utah. Utah is the epicenter of everything, right? That's right. Okay, let's go. Troy, you there? I am here. All right. So um, why don't you introduce yourself so that um, I can say Really? Myself. You're making me do all the hard lifting already? Yeah, pretty much. What kind of podcast is this? <laughs> the hard lifting podcast. All right. All right. My name is Troy Williams, talking to you from Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm the executive director of Equality Utah, which is our state's LGBT political advocacy organization. Wow. I'm all grown up now, Tony. I wear a suit and tie. <laughs> My God, what happened to you? <laughs> I know. I know. It's true. It happens to the best of us. Man, you like got a real job. That's right. I'm part of what they call big gay now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally gay for pay. <laughs> you know how like in big oil, the guys wear like cowboy boots and a blazer? Like what's big gay? Uh, boas. Big giant boas and heels. <laughs> Stiletto heels. <laughs> oh my god, makes sense. Um, yeah. So, check it. We wanted to obviously get you on the podcast because you know there's a lot of fun stuff going on with the country right now, and I knew you were kind of up to something down there because I see your your uh, Facebook pictures and you look like one of those weird senator pictures that like it took him 20 <laughs> minutes to get with a weird smile. So what been, are you talking about? I'm you an, with. I'm an, Activist. I'm a grassroots activist <laughs> in the streets. So, um, but occasionally I, I do put on what I call my lobby drag, which is my my suit and tie. Right. It's yeah. the worst. I know. So you voted for Trump, right? Yo, yeah, <laughs> he was huge here. Huge. Uh, I know he's been president for what three years now. Oh my god! At least it it feels like it. Yeah, it feels like a like like a relationship you do not want to be in. But if you try to break up, they'll kill you. It's it's a, it's insane. Like every time, every day, you refresh your news feed. There's some brand new horror story, and I never know if we're going to war with China, Australia, or Nordstrom. You never know. <laughs> it's so. But true. I'm here to say. I'm here to say. Okay, that if we go to war with Nordstrom, there is not a gay man in America who will take up arms against the Mac counter. <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> What do you want to do first to drink wine? Uh, let's just, just have some wine. What do you got on the stove? 
There's vegetarian chili. Mm. Well, hold on. Let's edit that out so people don't call us a pussy. <laughs> it's meat chili. Tons of meat. Five five meat chili. <laughs> oh, my God. There goes Wait, half of my friends. Right, right, right. You're part of the meat club, man. Come on. I know. You would just, we cannot put this on. I'll be crucified. Uh, but I feel like right now, it's like we're starting to ease into, you know, like we're in an arranged marriage and we're starting to accept the fact that for the next four years, this guy's going to lay on top uh, of us <laughs> and do stuff to us. And that's we have why, to resign ourselves yeah, to that. Yeah, that's why red wine is nice. <laughs> so this may just turn into a heavily drinking podcast okay. and then we just like blurt, you know, po- political things out it's throughout it. Lubricate our marriage. Should we? Way. Yeah. <laughs> that was a step too far. Okay, let's uh, get into it. Okay, first it, for, I, I just wanted to say, before we get into our first topic, um, Pizzagate, so we talked about that last time, oh and I talked about that as a you know a theoretical, th- outlandish story about yeah. this pizza thing, and lo and behold, three days later, yeah. a guy goes in with a gun to this shop. Yeah. Like, how crazy is that? Off with his, off with his head. <laughs> If I were the king, <laughs> off with his head. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, people are just sharing shit. I mean, I've been actually really, I'm hypersensitive to it now. I've been unfollowing so many, uh, like, I, what, what could be maybe credible places. If they overreact with a headline or, a, you know, the clickbait, I, I'm out. You're dude. Good. I'm just not doing it anymore. Because it, it, it actually, it's, it makes me physically, it physically has like a weird effect on me. Where I get disappointed. <laughs> Like, I read one today that Kanye and uh, Kim were getting divorced, and I was, like, pissed. And then I, and then I did a little research, and uh, it's not real. Nothing. Nothing of the sort. That's fake news. Oh, yeah. And that's okay. the worst kind, because okay. those two should be together forever. <laughs> I'm serious. It's America's couple right there. front of my sister yeah and she reprimands me for it all the time oh it was like a caveman and i'm yeah. a disgusting eater yeah the most so actually the, it's, it's like this yeah no, no it's 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 horrible i mean i'm not defending myself i wonder we should take these recordings and sell them to like the next horror film with like little <laughs> goblins because that's what you sound like yeah you put you you just like dub that like six or seven times that'd be an amazingly frightening thing we should do it it and could then, be like a gurgling, like tar pit, too. Yeah, you know, like like underneath, like yeah. Then you open up like this little yeah. little hatch, and you look yeah. down. There's little creatures eating a yeah, human. Exactly. That's what you sound like. That's that's me eating. Let's rock. Yep. Turkey. We actually pregame with turkey last week too. Yeah. Well, we're getting ready for Thanksgiving. Oh. I I like turkey. I love turkey. Oh, he's gonna eat. I'm, I'm going to continue eating. What can I eat? We just criticized that Listen, disgusting. We're at the dinner table, okay? I'm going to eat. <laughs> for God's sake. Yeah, well, I mean, turkey is one of those things that I eat year round. And then on Thanksgiving, I mean, you never cook a whole turkey like that. Yeah, that's, ever. A, that's the difference. 
Like, and it's never. I don't like it as much. I, I like lunch meat turkey better than the turkey. Really? Yeah. Give no, I like. But I like the lunch day. meat turkey that's carved from the actual turkey. Not me. I like that chemical shit. <laughs> made that's out of mostly gelatin. water. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, with like a fake crust right, on the outside. Right, that's really right. just like some sort of plastic. Yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> um. Well, this will be our podcast for this week. Yeah, it's er- we're early, but that's okay. we have a lot to give thanks for. We do, don't what do you, we? What are you thankful for, Tony? Um, I'm thankful uh, for my health. Hmm. That I'm that I'm still breathing in and out. Okay, it's nice. I'm enough. simple. Yeah, that's that's one word for we it. We die young yeah. in my family. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Um, what am I thankful? I'm thankful for my family. You better say that. You better. I, I mean it 100. Yeah, you Absolutely. better mean it. What about you, Jeet? What's Jeet thankful for? Absolutely nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, he's nothing. Jeet's still pissed. Jeet's a nihilist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a nihilist. Fair enough. I mean, he made a playlist called The End of the World. Yeah. The world might be ending. The world might be ending. Yeah. It, yeah. I listened to that playlist so many times. It's it's helped me, Jeet, literally. It's All So right, you're going to well, be listening to some of that. So you met yeah. Ruth Ginsburg. I met Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the notorious RBG. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How was that? So she was, okay, she was, she's very small. Yeah. She's, Have you ever seen a picture? She looks like a little tiny frog sitting next to all these people. She's maybe five foot one, maybe. Yeah. I'm going to, let's call her five foot one. Um, and she's 83 years old. She's very frail. Yeah. She speaks slowly. I took a student group there. We met her. It was very nice. She was very gracious. All those things. Um, one of the questions actually was a really good question. They asked her like straight up. Are you going to die? No, not quite that. Not quite that. Um, she had a terrible cough that I did not like to hear. But 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 <laughs> besides that. <laughs> I love like when you're 80 and you get a cough. It's like, no, ah, no. You might I mean, that's die. a death knell, right? You know, yeah. It's, if it, I had a know, cough, what, we'd what just cancel the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so but they asked my students asked her, what do you, th- you know, with Donald Trump being president, what does that portend for the Supreme Court? And she basically, and and they basically asked him, the sort of follow-up question was that given that there's so many different types of interpretation of the Constitution, how would you, given your views, um, cooperate, work with, what have you, with a likely Donald Trump appointee who's going to be, you know, diametrically opposed to your views? And she basically, she had a really good answer. She said, listen, the whole point of the Supreme Court is to have differing points of views. Mm-hmm. Um, and my best friend on the Supreme Court was Antonin Scalia. Um, that personally, we, you know, shared a love of the opera, whatever, went out to dinner all the time. We had absolutely opposite views of how to interpret the Constitution. But her whole argument is like the Supreme Court can act as a model for discourse, right? Civil discourse with people who, d- who disagree. Right. That was that was her whole thing, Um, which I thought was kind of like a very good, brilliant deflection of the question. (laughs) It was like, oh, yeah, we'll just get along and it'll be so nice. But it won't be so nice Uh, that in in the end, there's going to be somebody appointed there that's going to be really hard to the right of Scalia. Right. Like more like Clarence Thomas or something like that. 
And I mean, that's what people are assuming, but he hasn't named any judges yet. Well, he's got a he's got a long short a list. There's a bunch of people very in favor of abortion three years ago, and right. Well, and, so you know, maybe, but you know, we're assuming he's going to go way right because why? Because he's a Republican candidate. I mean, they don't like him. No, either. no, I don't think I don't think so. So I, you know, in, I guess can I just say something? It's it's only been two weeks since this election. It feels like two years. It does. It, <laughs> it actually does. So I feel long. like he's already the president. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I know. I mean, we actually have a sitting president, right? Yeah. So, but uh, it feels so long. Yeah. But I would just say that I had maybe some inkling of hope that all right. Yeah, he has no. Obama has said he's got no ideology. He's a pragmatist, right? Yeah. Um, maybe that's a personal thing that he lives or whatever. But given the appointments he's made so far to his cabinet, mm-hmm. these guys are all like right of Attila the Hun. What are we talking about? Okay, so uh, this week I wanted to talk about something that a little close to home about my former or my my alma mater, my college, Oberlin. Oberlin College. Yeah, been in the news. How'd you pick that place? Um, it was the best school that I got into. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. What was the one you thought you were going to go to and you didn't get in? Be honest. Um, I was hoping to get into Penn, but I didn't get into Penn. Oh shit! Yeah. And dude. How about now? Yeah. Go ahead. Tell them how much they tell them how much they messed up. <laughs> <laughs> You're on no politics at the dinner table. <laughs> I know. I know. Big mistake. Eat your heart out, University of Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah. So I went to Oberlin, uh, 94, 98. And so I don't know if you've seen any of this, but there's been a bunch of articles over the past year about political correctness on college campuses. Yeah, to- I've and, totally seen it. And Oberlin has been sort of at the forefront. Of I this. actually saw that. Okay. Two terms. One, and I just want to know, do, do these terms mean anything to you? Oh, man. Trigger warnings and microaggressions. Microaggressions? Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I could give a really bad answer, but I don't know what it means. Okay. Trigger warnings are like, they're warning signs, right? Like that could make something blow. Yeah, but they have a they have a pretty specific meaning in these college campuses these days. Okay, I don't are, know. Are, okay, so yeah. trigger warnings um, are essentially... Triggers in speech, in pieces of art, literature, film, music, whatever it may be, that could possibly cause psychological harm or discomfort to the consumer of this piece of media. I had no idea. Okay, that's, so that's that's, crazy. that's one thing. And so and and so the trigger warning is something that sort of signifies that okay, this is something that has. Um, that might have a triggering effect. So there might be a lot of violence in this. So if you feel uncomfortable about violence, you know, don't read this book or whatever. Got it. Um, Microaggressions are sort of everyday, subtle, and sometimes even unintentional slights of language and decorum um, that sort of, in which subordinate or minority groups are sort of reminded of their inferior status in, in society. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a sort of a small sort of hint like so a microaggression example would be um, 
a black student comes to Harvard, on Harvard campus and say the white roommate says, oh, are you from the South Bronx? Or, or, right. or um, are you a good basketball player? Yeah. Or are you, did you, did, did you get in from affirmative action? You know, it's, it's not sort of, it's like racism light. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah, there's yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of stereotypes going on. Kind of like when I assumed you knew somebody at Kingfisher. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. You microaggress me. Regularly, sorry, um, yeah, no, 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 sorry, no. I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm bulletproof. <laughs> um, um, so, okay, so these are the two things that this is kind of the language on campus these days, right? So, I'm just giving you some examples at Oberlin because they have the sort of most extreme examples. So, one was um, in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. They were the cafeteria. When I went to Oberlin, the cafeteria was like you can have a burger or you can have a garden burger, and that was it, right? Yeah, and it was like that was that was the cafeteria food. Now they have sushi. Right, so they have sushi and they what? have bon mi, right? Bon mi sandwiches, what? right? Okay, at college? Yes, exactly, exactly. That's what nice, I thought. I was like, I used wow. to look forward to chicken finger now. I know, I know, <laughs> it's I know, ridiculous. I, know. I, I liked when they had you know a variety of condiments. Um, so <laughs> this is basically <laughs> the students are saying that the food is culturally insensitive Ew. and is a microaggression because it's not authentic bon mi and not authentic sushi. Uh, and therefore, so it's insulting it, it, it's the insulting real Japanese to their culture, to, to Vietnamese culture, and so on. Um, some other examples of this: you ever heard of the band uh, Viet Cong? You know that band? Yeah, yeah, right. So they're like, I don't know, like post punk, yeah. shoegazy kind of punk. band. They're like, they're cool. Yeah. I mean, they totally. write a lot of long songs, lots Absolutely. of chords, that kind of stuff, right? So they were supposed to play at Oberlin, um, and they're supposed to play actually. Uh, last last uh may um and because of their name the asian student association came up and asked the student booker that because this is harmful to uh asian students on campus to invite a band with the name Viet Cong on campus yeah um that could they please not come and and guess what they obliged and they, they canceled the concert right they got uh, soft over the years. Well, so, yeah, I mean, here's the, I mean, I mean, there's a whole history we can go into the name Viet Cong. Was, you yeah, know, no, I get, know, it, but, I get but, it. But, but, I, it's basically, you know, and these guys, Oberlin is like way left of Bernie Sanders, you know, totally. like, like, like super hardcore left. Yeah. Um, like you're not allowed to trim your pubes at that college. You are not. You're barely allowed to wear shoes. Okay. Oh. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's you know. Open, I can't believe you went there. Open showers. You're such a frat boy. You know, like I, I'm not a frat boy. No, but you kind of are. Yeah, not really. But you're not an Oberlin dirty, weird, no, sensitive hippie. No, no, no. I'm not that. I'm not. Like that, they're not but. proud you went there. You're like we don't. They, <laughs> like if you showed up, they would they say disavow you, me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They right. would give you like a micro, like, right. hey, dude, are you lost? Right. Right. I mean, I did play lacrosse. Cross there my freshman year, so that that I was weird. Wow, right. yeah, yeah. I feel like the lacrosse team would feel bad hitting people. <laughs> Tell me our uniforms are tied up. Yes, it's, it's <laughs> hitting people would be a microaggression. Like Tony. at the end yeah. of the game, you guys didn't high five. You <laughs> hugged. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, okay, anyway, next topic. All right. Um, 
I'm sure you heard about this. The gorilla. Oh, the boy. <laughs> yeah, I watched that shit. Okay, I did you watch it? I watched it too. Just I watched. Yeah, it but tonight. I can't find a video where you see it go down. No, they didn't. They didn't keep that. They didn't. That's what I wanted to see. You wanted to see the yeah! killing of the gorilla. I wanted to see the no. killing. Oh, my God. Is that sick? Yeah, that is, is pretty it? sick. Well, yeah. I want to know. I want to see how he went down. Was the gorilla's name? Uh, the gorilla's name was what the heck was his name? It started with an H. Um, Harry Har- Harambi. 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 I wanted to see Harambi go down. Yeah, yeah. So for those who don't know, um, on Saturday at the Cincinnati Zoo. A three-year-old crawled through a fence Mm. and fell into the moat of the gorilla pen um, at the zoo. And a 17-year-old 450-pound silverback male gorilla um, was, you can see the video online. He's sort of, at first he's just sort of holding him. Yeah. And then there's a lot of screaming and stuff like that. He drags and, him. And, and yeah. he drags him around, right? And he drags him like he's nothing. Apparently, uh, male gorillas have 10 times the strength of of ordinary men, right? So, wow. um, yeah. So if you can imagine, I mean, just 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 think about how what that kind of strength we're talking about here. So um, the decision was made after this, this gorilla dragged him around a bit to... And this is for 10 minutes, by the way. Yeah. Um, to shoot him and to not shoot him with a tranquilizer. And the rationale was that the tranquilizer um, is not immediately effective. It would sedate him eventually, but it would take some time. Um, And because he was in an agitated state, um, the initial shock of the tranquilizer gun would have make him go pretty nuts and who knows what he would do. Um, And so they took him out with a rifle and killed him. Right, and so he's a he's a rare gorilla, you know, uh, endangered species, and so on. Stop uh, setting me up right now. Yeah, no, 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 no. So You're like, you can't add extra listen, stuff. No, no, to, I'm because just you saying, know the I'm way I'm going to go. Okay, okay. You're like he was a rare gorilla. He, he was. He, he had was per- a perfect mane. <laughs> uh, he never had a cavity. You never animal. see. You're yeah. never going to see a gorilla like this yeah. again. <laughs> right. What do you think about <laughs> shooting the gorilla? I know what you're doing. Right. You can't do that. So I mean, I'll just say that. You say anything about the kid being in danger, like you know. With one little grip, oh no, 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 the kid's no! Head this off. kid's arm—I'm surprised he didn't have a dislocated arm just from being dragged, dra- dragged, dragged around. Yeah, like he, around. Yeah, the kid had a concussion, some scratches, but otherwise was fine. Um, but so the gorilla was killed, and there was a firestorm Outrage. that emerged. There was a Facebook, um, uh, yeah, there was a protest. whole sort of media storm. Um, but essentially, people were saying that why should this? rarest of rare gorillas pay the price for bad parenting. <laughs> All right. Um, right. So what is your opinion on this? Oh my God. I have so many opinions right now. <laughs> okay. First it is not bad parenting. Mm. If anyone knows that I don't have kids, but believe me, I'm one of six. Right. And I have obviously, as you know, mm-hmm. sisters, I don't have kids. Mm-hmm. And my nieces and nephews are fast as hell. Right. They get away. Right. And you blink an eye. Yeah. That that argument to me is insane. Mm-hmm. That is that could only be people who one don't take their kids out of the house, right. or two don't have kids because you could never look at that video and go, "That's bad parenting." I mean, a, I saw a kid when I got to the subway today with the cops. I swear to God, no exaggeration. Probably four or five weeping. And the cop, I was walking by nosy looking, the kid was lost. And the cop said to, to the other cop, he's like, man, they're just fast. Like kids get right. away. You know, one blink of an eye. You look at this kid, boom, this kid's gone. Right. So that to me, I don't, we can't even discuss that. that mm-hmm. Like you're a loser if that's your opinion. You, mm-hmm. you, that's not real. Um, 
on the other hand, being someone's son, my dad would have jumped in and fucked the gorilla. <laughs> no Probably doubt. true. No, you know this. Yes. My yes. dad, if one of my, me or, maybe if I fell in, he might let me go. But if one of my sisters <laughs> fell in there, my dad would have got down and fought the gorilla. Your dad would have seen what you could do with the gorilla. Fought the gorilla. You know, yeah, he, yeah. You know, he, he would have expected you to put up a fight, and then he would have jumped in. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So... That was a little weird to me because if it was my kid, I'm fairly certain if one of your kids fell in there, McCall's throwing you in or you're going in on your own. <laughs> yes, right? Much. Like one pretty way much. or another, yes, you're in yes, there. With, yes. <laughs> with the I will be sacrificating myself in some way. Uh, but, uh, yeah. but, but I'm actually still not going to judge the parents. Right. Not everybody does that. Not everyone's like us. Right. Um, if it was anyone's kid in there, any critic uh, who has an issue with this that has a kid, I would have shot the thing myself. Because the risk isn't big enough. Mm-hmm. With one little, one quick movement, that kid's head is gone. That kid is dead. Mm-hmm. And there does come a point in life where you got to make a decision like that. And is the human baby worth more than a gorilla? Mm-hmm. Yes. I have no problem saying that. There's no, there's no child in the world that I would say, kill the kid, not the gorilla. I'd, I would kill the gorilla. My, I would have shot the gorilla myself. Right. Very easily. So felt terrible. The animal rights people were saying that they understand the impulse. It's not but, an impulse. But on the other hand, that they didn't go through the various protocols that one could go through in convincing the gorilla to give up something. Which, which, by the way, zookeepers and stuff do all the Bananas? time. Bananas, right. like, <laughs> well, whatever it may be. I'm not, hey, banana! Your throat. I'm not. You like I'm, whistle and throw a banana? I'm, like, I'm no, not sure. you don't have time. That's. And I get it. Like right. I'm, I'm saying, maybe there's protocol. Maybe there's things yeah. you could do. Um, but not being a hypocrite, if it was my kid, I would say I don't want to hear about that. Let's shoot the gorilla. You just can't take. What, and I'm fairly certain you would agree. I'm yeah. I you would agree. That's okay to say. Absolutely. You're not going to get in trouble. For yeah, saying yeah. That. No, no, no. There's no one in the world that has no. a kid that would say I would want them to go through the steps right. of negotiating no. with the wild animal. No, 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 no. That has my kid. No, uh, yeah, no kill no. the gorilla. I would want. Yeah, that. Would. And it's sad. It's not saying I'm happily. It's right. really fucking sad. It right. sucks. A kid fell in a thing. It's sad. Kill the gorilla. I guess it's complicated, right? This new, new, new age we're living in, where everything's instant and you can get taken down because of one uh, critique. It must be stressful for the artist, the critic, and everybody. Look, yeah, I mean, I, Mike, can I just say one yeah, thing? Please, please, please jump please. in. Like, it sounds like, you know, there's that old Duke Ellington line: "Like, if it sounds good, it is good," right? And and mm-hmm. and I think one of the things that's that's the problem is that, and this goes to your argument, Mike, which is that in a weird way, people look at a criticism as an index to the morality of the critic. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm. You know, that, that in, it somehow because you've come to this position, you are therefore racist, you are therefore this, therefore, therefore that, right. uh, without necessarily saying, like, is the, does it sound good or is it not? You know, like, like, like that never actually happens. It's more about um, actually what's outside of the work. Right. So what's outside of what you were talking about, close reading of stuff like that, all the suspension is not happening. It's actually everything, perhaps even but the work. 
Yeah. But anyway, I just wanted to say that. Sorry. No, that's, that's <laughs> both of those are absolutely right. And, 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 um, you know, you're, 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 you're absolutely right that it's, it's the, it's morality. It's, it's, um, and this is, and this has to be understood, I think, in historical context, this is nothing new, right? Americans have always been hyper-moralistic in their cultural sphere, very mm -hmm. pur puritanical, right? Um, and, and if, if you look back, Americans as a society, um, has never been that comfortable with art and literature, unless we can be reassured it's making us more moral. Right mm. now, the, the the particular content of that morality changes over time, right? Um, but uh, literature classes, for example, as vehicles of moral education, um, that expectation has always been there, and it's been something that writers and professors and critics and artists have fought against, uh, basically from the beginning of the Republic, right? Um, and 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 of course before. This goes back to Plato. Plato said, "Look, we don't want artists or poets." in our republic. You know what I mean? We don't want them because they can't be trusted to be moral. Artists and poets should only praise, I think he said famous men, right? They should be praising, you know, uh, 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 the morality of the time. And, um, you know, I disagree with Plato, obviously, right? But his position is a powerful one, right? And it's it's one we see today, which is, which is kind of irresistible, which is like the, the force of morality is irresistible. Um, it, it will always win in any contest of values. The kind of questions that we see about aesthetic values, about is it elitist to say that, uh, or, or I might be afraid of seeming elitist to say this is good or this is bad. Professors and other people have no problem making moral judgments. And they've just shifted to making aesthetic judgments to making moral judgments, right? Um, my question is really, you know, A, I think it's important to open up a space between morality and art. Not to say that we should sort of like leave our morality at the door when we go into artworks, you can't do that. But rather to sort of suspend that immediate reaction. Because there's no way to teach writers that wrote before 2005 um, if, if you're not gonna be uh, dealing with some, some ideas that are offensive to the most up-to-date morality right um and, and that goes for black authors it goes for uh, uh asian it goes it goes right across the board and so i have to say to my students look we're dealing with something that was written in a different time right we're dealing with people who had views that we may mm. find repellents right but this is still great literature this is stuff and you don't have to accept their moral views right you know what i mean it can make you rethink you know it, it can give you insight into how those views were created and so forth um all that I think is is just very important. Teaching Frederick Douglass today, if you really read Frederick Douglass, it is profoundly hostile to a lot of the racial attitudes we have today. Right? Will we want to stop teaching Rachel, uh, Frederick Douglass? You know, I, I have one answer. I think you have to vote, and I think you have to vote this president out of office, and I think that will make a major change. As I say, it won't change the political culture overall, but it will change the capacity to impose this um, unreality uh, uh, on the nation. I do think that speaking truth and fact-checking 
are effective. And I don't think they're effective in changing the minds of conspiracists or the people who go along, but I think they're effective in bolstering the sort of self-confidence and, and um, reality checking that most citizens need. They, they right? counter because the disorientation, Nancy. That's right. They counter the That's disorientation right. of people who don't necessarily believe in the conspiracy, but aren't quite, they can be brought to a place where they don't know what to believe. So the journalistic right. function is more important than ever. Exactly. And then I think that the third thing is that whistleblowers and others who show what has happened to our institutions, the institutions that we need, who give evidence of it, bolster the rest of the citizens. And that's why I think that COVID has, has done them in. I think COVID is the end. We needed a government to keep us safe. Mm -hmm. And it's very clear to people, whether they were Trumpists or not, um, that, that there's been a failure of government that these people are not dealing with reality, that they're not dealing with science. And it's not just on a, a large abstract level. You know, people see on t local television, not distant elites, the nurses and the doctors and the people who are dying and, and people have a death anxiety. And I think he has done himself in really now with this lying again about the COVID that he's had mm -hmm. and the way in which he, it, his imperiling of everybody in the White House and the Secret Service is a microcosm of how he's imperiled the nation. Right. And I think I think this is going to have um, have consequences for him. Yeah. I like that, Nancy. I, the microcosm yeah, of how he's imperiled the nation. Yeah. yeah. I, I had one question, and then we can um, move to our to our last part, which which is in when you're talking about QAnon in the book. Um, and I, I don't know if this is from the the first uh, version without the new preface, um, but you you argued that it's a sort of ephemeral um, phenomenon, right? Um, and I've been kind of ever since the coming of Sarah Palin, I've been waiting for this idiot wind to blow over, and it seems like it's turning into a hurricane, you know? It, and it and it and it's and it's just and now there's Marjorie, what's her name, Green or something in mm -hmm. Georgia. Um, who's in a safe Republican district, and she's a QAnon person, right? Um, so is that, what kind of bellwether is that? That's right? a great question. It's a great question. I have to say, I remember, Nancy, you and I um, studying QAnon. At the time we were writing, you know, finishing our manuscript, it was, it was pretty fresh on the scene at that point. And we debated, do we, do we address it in the book? How does it fit into our overall argument? And and we did, I think, as you, as you noticed uh, astutely, we did anticipate that it would be gone by the time the book came out. Um, and, and so, you know, if you're writing a book, you're writing something that you expect to last for a while. You don't, you've got to be hesitant to put in things that are going to just disappear. We didn't think it had the staying power. So we were wrong. And I think what we didn't quite, uh, we were right to pay attention to it, but wrong to think it would be ephemeral. We didn't quite grasp that the, the, that it, it's true. It's kind of the epitome of a conspiracy, conspiratorial cloud that isn't about affirming what you believe about the world at all. It's about participation. And the power of QAnon was found in the in the invitation it gave to tens of thousands of people to join the message board and uh, interpret the crumbs uh, along with everyone else. And and. It's, it's not a theory about how the way the world is. It's a mode of participation. And, um, and I think that's why it's still out there. In fact, in a certain way, it's metastasized.
Happy New Year. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. <laughs> what a fucking New Year it is. 2021 starting out very nicely. It's been wow. a week. <laughs> I mean, wow. Yeah. I think we're all collectively just like still in some sort of shock. Whatever that means for us individually, it's kind of like, what the hell was that? Yeah. <laughs> Why are they dressed as buffaloes? There was some there was some internal conversations about guest speakers. Okay. And that got resolved and some people couldn't make it, so it kind of resolved itself. Okay. Um but it, it didn't it didn't really matter because I'm a black labor leader. <laughs> Right. 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 Uh, so there's so many in Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a black labor leader and um, I work in education and. You know, I had a brother that was killed by police, so um, it's not a problem. There was no way that I wasn't going to stand up there mm -hmm. and, and, and speak the truth to people and people people in my union that had a problem hearing that it was their problem, not mine. Right. And, you know, I think, you know, the young people in this nation have showed us, you know, they, they're tired. It's over. You know, they're saying enough is enough. And that was my feeling as well. So just to be clear, both those organizations support the black lives matter movement. And, um, as I said, um, as a black labor leader, I was going to, I was going to bring it up anyway. So it didn't, it didn't the, the black lives matter movement is so impressive. I mean, you know, it's very new really. I mean, what is 2016 or 17? Maybe. Yeah. It kind of came out of, um, 2016. Yeah. yeah. Ferguson, right? It was Ferguson. Really in the yeah. wake of Ferguson. In the wake and of Ferguson. man, have they really done a phenomenal job? And you know they're doing a good job when the super right conservative people hate them. <laughs> and and it's funny, like you had set up. First of all, I'm so sorry to hear that you you your brother was um, killed by police officers. That's terrible. But it's just it's this theme that keeps coming up in my own life, where many of my black friends have all been somehow connected to someone in their family being killed by a cop and I don't know any white people in my life where they're like a cop killed my uncle killed my father and if that doesn't kind of show you and, and, and it's, it's not that black people are doing anything different than white people it's that the cops are doing something different towards black people than white people and it's if you just can't apply that math in your own life I mean it's it's just so obvious and I'm I'm very I'm very happy to see the statues just they're not asking anymore we're just taking them right. down 
Right. And it feels really good. I mean, I, I, I look at Instagram or I look at the news every day and watching these statues just come down and right. you're just like, yeah, this is, I guess this is how it was supposed to happen. There's cause trying to do any, trying to reason with people about taking a statue of Jefferson Davis down is it's not a conversation you can have. I no, mean, you're talking to a racist, so it's just, let's do it and see what happens. I asked a question in my town of Georgia, uh, posted on Facebook the other day, you know, um, and asked um, the town leaders a question, you know. I said, where does the, um, what is, where does town government stand as far as systemic racism? And, and, and can you give a position statement on that? And can every department head give a statement on that? Oh boy, the racist just came out. <laughs> They immediately identify themselves, right? Like they, they, they jump to the microphone, yay! And, and, and you know, and I, I answered a couple of them. He's like, well, "How you get? You can ask that question on our board." I'm like, "Your board?" Um, you know, I live here too. Mm-hmm. Hello, but I didn't get really get a chance to respond. Yo, the Woke white girls shut them down. I mean, yo, bro, 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 they shut them down. You sound just like a privileged old white. I mean, and I was at my eyes were just like, this is different. I'm like, yeah. this, this, this is different. And I yeah. mean, they were young in my town, educated. Thank you, Dwight, for asking that question. And they were like, we got this now. Move. <laughs> And uh, and they just ran with it. And then um, one of our state representatives uh, posted something that the governor had set, posted about Juneteenth. And so one of them brought up his voting record on that very issue. Said, if you're posting this, why did you vote no when it was before you? He was like, because someone said something bad about about President Trump. I'm like, and so again. The the woke white girls just they just yeah. they just and so he emailed me and said Dwight I just wanted to reach out to you and I took that as a cry for help by the way <laughs> because these ladies were all <laughs> over him yeah. he, and he says um, you know I just wanted to reach out to you because you've had questions about my voting record before and um, I said yes I have I hadn't gotten many answers but that's correct. I had a bunch of credits because because you have one persona on 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 Facebook and on social media, but your voting record is very different from the person you're trying to portray here. And you know, I I really respect you reaching out to me, but I'm going to call you on it every single time. And I don't buy the reason you said you voted against the Juneteenth holiday because someone was mean to President Trump. I mean, come on, the guy <laughs> insults everybody he talks to. Ugh. Right. Yeah. yeah. He, he got to prominence by a racist lie about our 44th president, even after he gave him his president. So Donald Trump's a big boy. He don't need you like holding up a Juneteenth holiday in Vermont because someone was mean to the meanest person on the planet. He goes, well, I think we could talk. And I'm like, we can. And I want to open that dialogue with you. Um, but good you know, luck. I'm, not, I'm not accepting any BS. Yeah, so good, just so you know. Good luck with that, Dwight. It's, it's not, <laughs> you, you, and I'm, uh, you're a better man than I am. I mean, I wouldn't waste my breath, but that's the problem. I mean, I, I'm glad you're doing it, but 
if if you're voting down that holiday right now, especially like we don't, we can't. There's no starting point for a conversation. I mean, you you've blatant you've you've told us blatantly what you stand for, right? And these are the same people that wear Washington Redskins jerseys and, right. you know, uh, were pissed off at Colin Kaepernick for peace, peacefully protesting. And they can't believe Columbus Day that we don't even that we that we're going to take that away. And it's the people that are crying that we're getting, quote unquote, soft, where right. we're not getting soft. We're if you we're look at the streets, hard. that doesn't look soft to me. <laughs> we're getting hard and we're getting angry. And it's it's the opposite. But we're just there's a sense of um, um, reckoning that. I think all uh, people, that was all my white point. people, yeah. Are, that was my to. point is like when I asked that question, they, I had a bunch of white people say, thank you for asking. Like, like all I did was open the door and, and right. just, and just kind of said, come on, you know, and it <laughs> was, it was amazing. And yeah. I, you know, I'm 60 years old and I, 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 I've been through a lot on these discussions and I've never seen anything like this before my son I got a 16 year old son told me the other day I'm like so how's everything going I mean are you and your friends talking about this you know he's went to some some marches and stuff he goes yeah he goes yeah you know dad I'm just not taking any shit anymore I'm losing Mm -hmm. friends over this one great he goes if you can't understand like we're dying like if my dying we need to discuss that, then I'm done with you. And I said, do all your friends believe that? He goes, dad, we're, we're done. We're done talking about it. Everybody can see the data's there. People can see the data. People can see it on TV. I mean, you could see it. I mean, there were marches in Atlanta over police violence when this guy shot another guy in the back. I mean, it ain't about not knowing, right? It's about inaction. And so these kids, man, um, they are so impressive. They are so, you know, I I think back, people my age think back about Martin Luther King and all these other leaders talking about a rainbow coalition, right? President Obama, this is truly a rainbow coalition. Mm -hmm. And it's people of all faiths, races, genders, and, and people have just had enough. And I, I think that there's going to be energy for a long time, but what I want that energy to do is get to the voting booth. Yes. Thank you for listening to our recap episode, our 100th, and we couldn't be more proud of it. One century of no Yeah, and we're 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 not going anywhere. For yeah, for yeah. T- ten people, I've, we're here I've, for I've, a long one. <laughs> we we our our audience is growing, Tony. I, it I, is I, growing. I'm joking. Yeah. I'm joking. Uh, but um, I I will say that uh, I've been getting emails and texts from people being like, Hey, you know, where's the next episode? It's been yeah. a while, you know, that sort of thing. Me too. And people are worried that, you know, okay, elections, you know, well over now, and maybe we're going to like go dark for another three years. No, no, we're not doing that again. Uh, we're not, not doing that again. We're back. Uh, 
we we just got busy over the past couple of months, but but I, we both moved and COVID and you know yeah, like give us a yeah. break, you know yeah. we just we just we had just got some freedom. Like I got my booster shot. Like I don't want to sit and talk on a computer. I want to go outside. <laughs> well, we're back though. It's about to be winter, and, and you guys are going to hibernate for we, the next I'm, five months. Yeah, so you're good. I, I could do this basically every day over the winter. Yeah, so. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, No Politics at the Dinner Table is produced by our very own Abkash. And as always, uh, the generous Jeep Baderoy with his tunes that are just such a great part of our show. We're very grateful that he sends them our way. Um, we will be back next week, actually, right? Right after the holiday with yeah. an amazing episode um, with Spencer Ackerman. Yep. He's, um, who he's wrote a, the he's book Reign of Terror. Uh, if you got, if you can read quickly, read it by next week. You can listen to that one. That, you don't want to miss that one. Phenomenal yep. and terrifying. Yep. All right. We'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>